Ronananian. If you're buying a used vehicle online, go meet the person. Go see the vehicle. Don't have it sent to you. Don't trust them. A thousand dollar car it ain't worth nothing. I might as well take your thousand dollars. The Car Doctor. Tony has a bridge here in New York to sell you. Ron, it comes with a toll booth. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it'll probably lead to nowhere. You know, where would it probably go? It'd probably take me out to the middle It's going to take you to the point of no return. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Thanks for stopping by and spending some time with us today. We know you've got a lot to do and a lot of choices and busy lives that we all lead. And uh, we're glad to count you among the listening audience and uh, be part of the Car Doctor family. 855-560-9900. Number is also, by the way, 24-7 toll-free. You can call anytime, day or night, leave a message. If we're not on the air, we are live Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, you can call that 855 number. Leave a message, and Tom Ray, executive producer, no baloney, the real McCoy, will uh, answer questions. I see him standing by the microphone. Mr. Ray, do you have a comment about something? I, I didn't miss my mark yet. I mean, we just started. We're oh, only no. a minute and a oh, half. No, no, no. I just want to let you know, Tony and I are upset with you today. Yeah. Now, now what did I do? You forgot to put the mayonnaise in the sink. The mayonnaise? Oh, this is Cinco de Mayo. There you go. See? Oh. I have to humor him, folks. You know, his he, he wasn't popular in high school, and, you know, his kids don't want to play with him. His wife has to tie a bone around his neck to get the dog to kiss him, so I have to be nice to Tom to get him to, you know. He feels better that way. He really does, but um, I love Tom in a sense of humor. He cracks me up. Not in the middle of a national show. Now that I'm completely off track, can I get back into, wait a minute. <clears throat> So anyway, 855-560-9900. And by the way, more information at cardoctorshow.com. Uh, a couple of things going on this hour. I've actually got some little sticky yellow notes. I'm going to start doing more of this. I've written down some of the screwy things that happen at the shop. And I don't know what we're going to call these in the shop, screwy moments in the shop, or, you know, um, it happens in the shop. Maybe that's what we'll call it. It happens. An it happens moment. Um, like one of them is going to be about uh, the woman that needed air in the tires, and the tires, all four tires were bald and um, uh, you know, and, and, and I said, the tire's not worth fixing. And she said, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little later on this hour. We'll, we'll get back into that. I wanted to lead off before Tom sidetracked me and, um, uh, about the 2003 Chevy Silverado. Cause I thought it was kind of an interesting repair. 2003 Chevy Silverado, a diesel that came into the shop with a no communication fault with the trans control module. The TCM, or Trans Control Module, as it's called in 2003, is on the bus. It's on the data network, and it is a little different than 2008 and up, meaning that this is pre-CAN, pre-controlled area network. And it's interesting to the mechanic if you really stop and look at how it's wired because it shows you where they came from to get to where they are today. It's sort of a look back, you know. It's it's it, it's sort of like if you understand carburetors, you understand how a fuel injection system is supposed to work and all the variables that needs to encompass in order for it to operate properly. You, you look back at this. In, in 2003, the PCM was the main gateway, the powertrain control module, and everything bust through that. 
whereas in 2008 on a lot of GM vehicles, the body control module took over that duty, and it it split the circuits. Sometimes the can the control area network went this way. Sometimes it went that way. Sometimes it went both ways, and it just got very much more. Uh, complicated um, and the complexity and you can see how uh, the newer vehicles operate at much higher signals and, and, and the data information on the bus is just moving along at a faster pace. So this 2003 Silverado Duramax diesel came in and it came in from the uh, local trans shop and they were having an issue with it where it wouldn't shift uh, correctly. It, it started out and the, the, the problem changed as time went on. When they first started looking at it, they had a problem where it wouldn't go into reverse. And as they were diagnosing their way through it, they were doing some powers and grounds and you know verifying uh, the modules because they couldn't communicate with the module. They they lost, I'm sorry, they lost voltage on the uh, on on pin four leading up to the uh, leading up to the module itself. And they put a they put a they put a module in it. They said, well, this is a bad module. The voltage is varying. Um, we'll we'll put a module in it and then we'll send it over. Ron will flash it, meaning me. So it showed up on my doorstep and uh, we had the conversation and they said, yeah, you know, it it, it has a varying voltage on on pin four. It, it goes from 12 volts down to 6 volts and back up and down and, um, you know, it's erratic, it's all over the place and, uh, you know, we, we, we believe it It needs a trans control module. Okay. So, um, you know, I go to flash it and flashing is when you flash something, you're, you're really counting on you've got to be able to talk to that module. You've got to be able to, you know, get on the bus, get on the communication network and your scan tool has to be able to see that module electronically and talk to it and it will even talk to an unfilled module something that doesn't have software in it it will you know say hey you're there okay here's what you need and download the correct software into it well the problem was um, I, I couldn't talk to the trans control module it wasn't there and they had done a little bit of a slight misdiagnosis and uh, I corrected that and uh, straighten uh, the conversation out with them and said okay let's let's go at this now let's figure out why can't we communicate I went through power and grounds. I always start over. I went through power and grounds, and I had all the grounds. I had the two grounds I needed. And I had power on one, but I had absolutely no voltage on the other line. And then during the course of the diagnosis, that changed. It went from zero volts to a tenth of a volt. And then it went back down to zero volts again. And I started to go through the wiring diagram because, as I always tell you, wiring diagrams are the roadmap to where we're going in an electrical repair. And it came down to that pin four fed up through the fuse distribution center on the underhood uh, power distribution center under the hood, the main fuse block. And then from there, it ventured in under the dashboard and came out of ignition fuse zero, which also fed the theft deterrent module on this particular truck. Now, one of the things I've, I've gotten as I've gotten older is I've gotten lazy. All right. If 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 I can find a if I can find a quicker way to do something without having to probe around a lot, I will do that. So I noticed that ignition fuse zero fed the theft deterrent module and pin four of the trans control module, and that was its main purpose in life. That's basically what it did on this O3 Silverado. So I said, why crawl around under the dash looking for the fuse? How about if we just plug in and see if we can read the theft deterrent module? You know what? I took the scan tool, couldn't see the theft deterrent module, said, okay, 
Now I went and found the fuse. Sure enough, ignition fuse zero was blown, plugged it in, and I had voltage on the TCM. So now the question, why did the, why did the fuse blow in the first place? Was it during their testing? Was it during something that they did that maybe they manipulated and moved the harness around? So to satisfy myself, I took the old or I took the new trans control module out and put the old trans control module in and the fuse blew within a certain amount of time, a little wiggling and jiggling and moving things around. Put the new trans control module in, put another fuse in it, flash the software. But who would have thought that a fuse failure can, well, who, I guess the point becomes, who would have thought that something as far as um, no communication with a module um, leading to no software flashing, leading to more complicated diagnosis, all because of a fuse? And that was my point that um, I thought you would like to hear this morning as well, or this afternoon as we kick things off. You know, keep in mind, you know, when you all sit there and think, well, just check the fuses. I love that comment that I get from people. Well, is it a fuse? Yeah, it could be a fuse. This truck had three fuse boxes. So, you know, and that's and this is an older vehicle. This vehicle is 15 years old. You know, this vehicle had 65, 70 fuses in it. You know, what do you do with a new car? There are some new cars out there that have four fuse boxes and over 200 fuses. Which one do you start checking? And it's not that one fuse protects one circuit. You know, it may take four fuses to protect and operate one particular circuit and mode of operation of the vehicle. So it's it's careful diagnosis. It's step by step. It's There's nothing simple about checking fuses anymore, and that's the point of this repair of the week. So keep that in mind. Uh, very successful. Plugged it in, flashed it down the road, and uh, they're out there driving it this weekend. I'm sure they're happy with it. 855-560-9900. The phones are backed up. Let's uh, pull over, take the pause. When we come back, we're going to kick the garage doors wide open. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the meeting the car doctor. Let's get over and kick those garage doors open and go talk to Kevin in Iowa. Kevin, welcome to the car doctor, sir. You're on at 855-560-9900. How can I help? Hi. Um, I have a question about my 1999 C70 Volvo. Okay. Um, so recently, as of yesterday, um, I um, before this it was working fine. I had really no issues with it. And... Uh, I would I started up the car and uh the engine would turn on and it um it would run and everything but when I tried to uh give it more gas um nothing was happening I could hit the pedal all the way to the floor and um the engine wasn't running anymore so I couldn't get up to speed or anything It it just had a hesitation to what you're saying Um well not even so much a like a hesitation like it would take a while to get up and running if I pressed it but it wouldn't ever Right. So it was, it it's, it's sort of like all of a sudden you were dragging, dragging an anchor and the engine just wouldn't accelerate. It was just a real slow, yeah. tedious process. Right. Some, like something was holding it back. Is that a better way to say it? Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. Okay. And uh, any dashboard warning lights on? Anything pop on? Um, the check engine light is on. All right. Was it on prior to this? Um, yeah, it was. Okay. Do you know what the code was? Have you ever had it scanned? 
Um, no, I haven't owned the car that long. Okay. Um, and, and sometimes that happens. Listen, uh, is, is this your first car? Is this, are, you, are, you, are you a newer driver? Um, no, it's not my first car. Um, it's just uh, it's my first car in a while, I guess. Right. I had one in high school. Okay. So now. Um, it just it just and, and congratulations. You sound you, you sound very young. I don't mean that as an insult. Uh, when you get to be, when you get to be my age, that's a good thing, brother. Um, you know, it, it's 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 here, here's a case where check engine lights are important. All right. Well, most most times check engine lights are important. I correct myself. So, uh, you know, first thing we need to know is why is the check engine light on? All right. So somebody's got to scan it. If the check engine light is on because it's got an EVAP fault, you know, a loose gas cap or something, yeah, okay, we don't care. That's not going to affect how the vehicle we, – we care, but that's not going to affect this particular problem. The reason I want to know what the check engine fault is because I've got a feeling it's going to help pinpoint as where you're going to go with this. And my belief is that you're probably going to find that this has an issue with the electronic throttle body. Do you know what the expression drive-by wire means, Kevin? No, I don't. All right. Uh, you, you ever been in an airplane, a jet? Yeah. Okay. They, they, they have fly-by wire. They do all electronic controls. Believe it or not, and, you know, this is kind of depressing to me every time I fly, I think about this, but all those, you know, the flaps move, the engines accelerate, and everything that happens is all done by the, the pilot's got sensors at, at, at his end, and they're feeding information to a computer that controls sensors at the other end. There's no direct linkage or connection anymore. Uh, you know, in, in the old days, cars were like where we had a throttle cable that went to a plate and a housing, and when you stepped on the gas pedal, the cable physically moved. It was mechanical linkage or cable linkage. We don't have that anymore. It's just like airplanes. It's, it's drive-by-wire. So your Volvo, and Volvo was one of the earlier ones to incorporate this, where you step on the pedal, there's a servo motor on the side of the throttle body that now actually reading a command from the computer opens the throttle plate based on what it tells it to do. It's electronic drive-by-wire. What happens with Volvos and what's very common, um, and there's... There may be an open recall on this vehicle that you want to have it uh, taken to Volvo. You want to at least uh, go run the serial number, and you could probably go out to NHTSA.gov, the website, NHTSA.gov, run the VIN and see if it's applicable to your car. Uh, but you're looking for Volvo Recall 6 Victor 44 and that was the recall that was the recall for the for the throttle body software to be upgraded. It might also be known as throttle body software update 155. And and what that will do is that will change the software in the in the on um, in the vehicle's onboard computer so that if the vehicle goes into a moment where the throttle plate doesn't open like you're describing for safety issues, it will allow you to limp home. All right? You can you can okay. you, you can get yourself home. That being said, and I only explain that to demonstrate the point of how serious a problem this is, if that's what this is, uh, this is what the Volvos are known for in this generation, that you want to get that done. This probably has a dirty throttle body. So software update out of the way, that's a secondary issue, but this probably has a dirty throttle body. All right. Um, you familiar with what a throttle body is at all by chance? No. Okay. Uh, you got a front door to your house? Yeah. Okay. Close the front door. If the front door is closed, how much air? How much air gets past it? Um, not much. Not much, right? A little bit, I guess. So yeah. when you start a car, 
think of your front door. When you start a car, remember I said it's an electronic throttle body, right? So when you start the car, the computer says, hey, Kevin's trying to start the car. Let's crack the front door just a touch. Let's give it a little bit of air, all right? And it will open that front door just a smidge. That's the idle position. When the engine is idling, that's where the, that's where the throttle plate or the front door is going to sit. It's going to let in a fixed amount of air into the engine because that air combines with the fuel being injected, and that's what helps make combustion and allow the engine to run. You with me? Yeah. Okay. Now, over time, that front door builds up a layer of dirt. So in order for you to get more air into the house, all right, you have to open the door further, okay, and the same thing with the computer. But the computer can only do it up to a certain point. And then after a while, all that door, all that dirt causes the throttle plate or the front door to stick. So now you've got a heavy carbon buildup on the throttle body, all right, and the computer is commanding, hey, Kevin's putting his foot down, open the throttle body, open the throttle body. And it can't because... It's fighting. There's something behind the plate, and it's usually a carbon ridge. Like there's there's a pile of newspapers behind the door, and it won't open any further any faster. Follow me? Mm-hmm. So that throttle body, which you would find if you you know followed down the air intake duct, um, you would see there's a there's a metal throttle body leading into the engine. That throttle body needs to be cleaned. Here's the problem. All right, and I caution you before you just do this. There usually, in most cases, when that throttle body gets cleaned, there is a relearn procedure. The relearn procedure on a Volvo is very, very specific. So what I would tell you is, let's do it this way. Get it to your mechanic, have him scan it. If the check engine light is related to the throttle body, let's diagnose it. If the throttle body needs to be cleaned, let's make sure he can do the relearn procedure and find out if Volvo has that software update for your vehicle, then call me back next week, and I think that will help solve it for you. I appreciate the call, Kevin. I'm running any in the car, Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a you go, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Does anybody remember the Motor Trend Magazine review of the Yugo when it first came out back in the 80s? I'll never forget it. Motor Trend Magazine reviewed Yugos when they were first being imported into the country, and the writer's proficiency at exact description was spot on. When he described the car as having the, he, he drove a manual transmission Yugo, and he said the shifter has all the precision of a baseball bat and a barrel of coconuts. And I'll never forget that. It just described that car to a T because you never were quite sure what gear you were shifting into, and sometimes you wonder what gear you were shifting from from the lack of power. So uh, Tom saying Yugo there kind of reminded me of that. Real quick, I want to get over this yellow Post-it note. That's what we'll call it. The yellow Post-it note. Uh, tip of the hour. I don't know. We're going to have to come up with something better than that marketing radio, you know. So uh, somebody called the shop this week, and they were down the street from us at the uh, at the at the village school, and they needed a um. They had a problem with with air in the tires. One of the tire was flat, and um, could they stop by? And uh, and first we had to understand that they wanted to stop by. The way this question was posed to me, it was, "Hey, can you bring an airline, you know, five blocks down the street?" And I was like, "No, you got to bring me the vehicle." And, we got that squared away, and they brought me the car. And, um, yeah, the right rear tire 
was, you know, four pounds of air. And I, you know, got out and I, I, I put air in the tire and I explained it to the young lady. She was a school teacher down there. And I said, by the way, I said, you know, it looks like you really could use two tires. And, um, uh, you know, and then I looked around the rest of the car and, you know, gee, the fronts aren't that great either. And I was very surprised because she said to me, you know, well, we're trying to get, we're trying to get till November on these tires. And I looked at myself and I looked at her and I said, but this is May and the tires are bald now. And that's a concern for me. All right. And that's something you've got to think about. Listen, I get it. You're leasing a car. She was leasing this car. You're leasing a car. You're, you're trying not to spend any money uh, because obviously it's not yours. And that's one of the downs, downfalls of leasing. But when tires are worn, when tires are bald, this, this one particular tire was so bad that it could not be repaired or it didn't make sense to repair it, you were down to the tread bar. If the tires are that badly worn and you are the tires are that bald, you can't ride five months on bald tires. You're, you're taking your life in your hands, you're taking your family's life in your hands, and you're endangering the people around you. And it only takes a second for an accident to happen, and in the blink of an eye, you're not where you're supposed to be. So, you know, don't fool around with tires, please, all right? By all means, and it's I guess part of the problem is you know, there's not enough education out there. People still don't understand the simpler things. And that's what that showed me, that they don't understand the simpler things, and they're trying to rationalize, well, if I don't want to spend the money, that means it's okay. No, that doesn't mean it's okay. That's a two-ton missile going down the road at 60. And some days, most days, more than that. Make sure you've got good rubber on it so you can get that car where it's supposed to be and you can get to your destination safely. The heck with waiting five months till November. So uh, just my two cents. Let's go over and talk to Micah from Maine, a follow-up question on his 2015 Subaru. Micah, welcome back. Ron and Indian at your service, sir. How can I help? Well, thanks so much. First, got to say, Ron, you mentioned the Yugo. You know that the car was so bad it even put the country out of business. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, Micah, I never thought of it like that. But, yeah, that probably was uh, the start of it. That was... Whew, that car was bad. So um, try finding a Yugo dealer now. They, they went the way of Joe Isuzu and Isuzu. That's a whole other story. So what's going on today, my brother? Well, first, I wanted to make a comment on something that you uh, spoke about last week. You were talking about uh, your friend Tim who's putting together a, uh, an old Corvette and how all the, the new young kids in the shop are you know, not paying any attention to it and how when you were a kid you would be all over that, trying yep. to learn everything you could about the vehicle. Yep. And I think it says a lot about where we are today just in general, you know, because people don't, or, or, or younger folks, and I'm not trying to be an old guy looking back on that, they don't want to know how things work. They just want to know that it works. You know, you think about apps on the phone. The app doesn't work. What do you do? You delete the app and you reinstall it. You don't see what's going on. You're not looking at code. You're not looking at DOS. When you take an SAT test, you can use a calculator. You don't have to know why the math works. You just have to know what the math is. Yeah. And it doesn't make a lot of sense and and it's the same thing with cars and it's really really kind of sad that way it, it, it is Micah you know some of the things that I never thought would happen in my lifetime are happening and uh, you know if I could look back if I could reach back and and make some corrections boy I uh, it would just be a very different world for me but um, I I agree with you 100% the kids today need to be more curious because somewhere along the way and maybe not in my lifetime but somewhere along the way the lack of curiosity is is going to come back to bite us and uh, we'll have to wait and see so what's your question Cal? Yeah. well here's this i uh, we were talking about my uh, 2015 subaru legacy it's coming up on three years but only 22,000 miles you told me some of the things to get done to it which i'm going to be doing this week 
I talked to my service uh, guy, the service writer at the uh, at the dealership, and the dealership is really good, and he's really a good guy, and we're going to do everything that we talked about, but I had a question about the transmission fluid, because when I mentioned that to him, this is what he said, and we both knew he was going to say it. He says, Subaru says, you don't need to change the transmission fluid at all, and I said, that makes sense. He goes, but they do say if you tow a trailer, you change it to 24,000 miles, so obviously there's something going on there. I said, that does make sense. Right. He said, this is what I would do. You're not change towing a trailer. He says, I would do two things for this reason. I'd hold off on the transmission fluid. I'd wait till, since Subaru says 24,000 miles and you're not towing a trailer, wait till you're at about 48,000 miles, and that's when I would exchange the transmission fluid. He goes, until then, don't worry about it because the dealership, and this dealership is a very well-known dealership, the best Subaru dealership in the state, that well-known, has been selling its own, and it comes with the car automatically, and aftermarket service warranty that's very, very good, and if you get the car service for them, they even waive the deductible, and it's a company that's been doing it, it's been in business forever. He said, if your transmission goes and you have your service records, which I do, we're going to replace the transmission for you at no charge, so why spend the money now, especially when Subaru is saying that, and your car should be in good shape. Now, I'm not trying to be a cheap son of a gun. I'm, you know, I'll spend the three or $500 now if it's absolutely necessary. But I'm also a little frugal. Not cheap, but frugal. Well, and I you, think you, you want to be exact, too, and I agree with what you're saying. Right. You, you know, yeah. So that's what I wanted to know, if it made sense to you, because the car doctor, after all, is about logic and decision-making that happens to be about cars, it, not it, necessarily about Well, and I appreciate that, Mike. I do. Um, and we, we've had a lot of conversations, both on air and off air, about things like this. I, I, I think... One of the things that comes to my mind is, and I was aware of the trailer tow option, and I like the fact that he's doubling it, but in listening to you tell the story, I'm thinking about it from a different way. So Subaru has a concern about heat, which I do too. Heat and transmission fluid, time of memorial, have always been, you know, the death bell. It's, and I'm wondering, so maybe not in Maine. Maybe that doesn't happen in Maine. So I think in your case, 48,000 miles, you're okay. But what if you're down and you're driving around the Washington, D.C. Beltway, and you're, you're sitting in traffic every morning trying to, get to the, trying to get to the Capitol or trying to get around the Washington, D.C. Beltway to drive to Florida, and you're driving through a high-heat, high-humidity state, and you're always overworking the trans and always, you know, you're, you're, you're hard on it. I mean, let's face it, heat's the death bell. So, right. you know, does that mean the trans fluid is more susceptible to fail in cars in Florida, Washington, D.C., Beltway, Arizona, New Mexico, where it's 113 degrees in the shade in, in October? Um, you know, so I would definitely say by 48, and I don't have a problem with that. Unfortunately, you're backed up by a warranty, and where your vehicle is, I think, yeah, maybe that is overkill. But you've brought up an interesting point that I'm going to have to think about and do a little reading to see, you know, are vehicles in high-heat states, Florida, the South, Southern California, Texas, you know, are Subarus having a higher degree of transmission failure? Or I wonder if they have different service recommendations by region based upon that heat issue and based on the transmission itself. You know, I've always said auto repair is divided up into seven or eight different regions around the country, and here's a case where... I, I, I have to think about that again, that, you know, maybe it, it, it doesn't hurt to change that trans fluid a little bit early because Subaru's ultimate answer is never change it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, that's what Subaru's saying, and that, 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 that's nuts. I think right. that's just crazy. Yeah, but. Um, that's just crazy. So, 
All right, brother. Well, listen, I would wait till 48, and uh, let's see where it goes from there. And as always, a pleasure to hear from you. Great. Thank you very much. Have a great day, Ron. You Thanks. too, Micah. You take good care. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Phil, New Hampshire, 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Phil, you're on with The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, just having a problem with our grand 2012 Grand Cherokee, uh, as I explained to um, we had the transfer case, uh, had a trouble with the transfer case, and it was uh, replaced on our way up from Florida. Okay. That was the uh, beginning of April. And ever since then, I've never experienced this before, we would uh, shift out of park into either reverse or drive, and probably about 60% of the time, 50 so we'd, uh, it would be in neutral for about three to six seconds before it would actually shift into gear. Uh, that's the only thing I've been experiencing, driving, high-speed driving, slow-speed, everything seems to shift okay. Uh, it's just this intermittent, again, at least or 50 delay. or 60%. Is, is, yeah. is delay a better way to say that, Phil? <laughs> yes, the delay. And, but it was it is out of park. It's, it's actually in neutral because I've had it actually roll a little bit to experience that. So, so your issue is you were driving home from Florida and yes. the transfer case started making noise? Uh, actually, before we started the trip, there was uh, there was a, a clicking noise. It sounded like an electrical, like a solenoid or something. Okay. I, I probably should have checked it out before we left, but it was just started like a day before, and I figured I'd take my chances. Right. Uh, but then then we did experience some problems on the highway, and we're able to uh, cripple up to where we were going to stay overnight, and found a Jeep dealer who would uh, take it in the next day. And, and what did the Jeep and the Jeep dealer replaced the transfer case, or they overhauled uh, it? Yes, yeah, they uh, they uh, you know had their paperwork, but they said they inspected the vehicle, uh, found the chain and actuator was going out of, out in the transfer box. The, and uh, did not go in, uh, away unless they unplugged both the chain and actuator. Okay. Uh, coming to the conclusion that it was the transfer case, so they replaced the transfer case. Right. So two grand, and, uh, two grand later, that is the noise gone now? <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. That noise, yes, yeah, so it did disappear, and it, we drove it the rest of the remainder, remainder of the trip home and had no problems. So it was, and it was, it was okay the remainder of the trip home. Yes. Okay. Except, except for this, except for experiencing this delay when I would uh, park the car sometimes and go into reverse or park. I mean, excuse me, reverse or drive. Is 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 that delay? Has that been there since the transfer case replacement, or was it a short time after? It, it was the experience relatively right right after we we left the Jeep dealer and started our trip home and okay. experienced it. Uh, I want to say. Yeah, I experienced it in the first first here's, day before here, we started. Here's, here, here's what I want you to do, Phil. You got a Jeep dealer by you? Uh, yes, and I have had it in there. They have not experienced it, but they I have had uh, transfer case um, and transmission uh, stuff done. They don't find any codes. They said they didn't experience it themselves, but uh, I find that hard to believe unless they're not misinterpreting what I'm telling right. them. I'll tell you what, Phil, don't, don't, don't go anywhere. Let me pull over and take this pause so we're not up against the clock. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We'll be right back right, right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. Let's get right into it. Phil, you're still there. Uh, yes, I am. So I, I got a couple of questions for you. Is this full-time four-wheel drive? 
Um, that's what they indicate. Yes. It's, uh, so, so yeah. there's there's nothing for you to shift. You you put this vehicle in drive, and it decides what it wants to do, whether it's two wheel, four wheel, or three wheels as it sees fit. There's no there's there's no extra work for you to do. Um, in this application. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to talk to you about the what-ifs and what makes sense. Forget that you had the transfer case serviced, all right, although that's, that, that's an important thing to keep in the back of our minds. When the Jeep mm -hmm. dealer did service the transfer case or, or whatever they did, what did they do? Was it a rebuild? Was it a factory exchange unit? Uh, boy, uh, I think it was, a, it was a, well, I don't know whether it was a rebuild or not. It did come. They had to get it in from Atlanta, so it, it came from the warehouse, so I'm assuming it was a brand new... Uh, right, So that's and that's what I'm thinking, all right? So, you know, my questions are, if if that is a failure, well, I've got a couple here. If, if that is a failure, obviously it's under warranty, isn't it? Um, I would think the job is under warranty, <laughs> and the, the Jeep is not under warranty right. anymore. But, 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 but that repair is... All right. right now they say, you know they did indicate the transfer cases behind the transmission right. didn't have anything to do with the shifting. Right. Well, and and my other question is, so every time you shift this, do you get the delay? Uh, again, about fifty fifty to sixty percent of the time, I do it. Okay. Um, I'm going to go out on a rope here and, and and stick my neck out. I know of no scenario with that transfer case where, mm -hmm. where it's going to be intermittent it's pretty mechanical inside there all right it either works or it doesn't all right and yes. I'd, I'd be even more shocked uh you know listen chrysler and jeep have their issues but usually the stuff coming out of the box either works or it doesn't i haven't seen too many intermittents on the drivetrain stuff they take a great deal of time and precision to rebuild those things so mm -hmm. what i'm thinking is and i'd love to see this get duplicated i'm, I'm thinking not to give you the bad news, but it almost sounds like you've got a delayed engagement of the transmission itself. Yes. And the, the fault is in the trans, and, you know, hooking up a scan tool for more than just codes, looking at data stream to see, you know, what's working and not working, and when does it pick up signal on the output speed sensor, uh, some of the other things I've got in the back of my head. I think you got to go back to that Jeep dealer and ask him, hey, listen, I, I know this is what it does. If I leave it with you for a couple of days, can you let a tech drive at home if you're comfortable with that? You know, and, and I think you're going to find that this fault is in the trans. The only other thing I could think of doing is draining the transfer case fluid and catching it through a, you know, a paint strainer, and I've done that. If that transfer case, and think about it, if that transfer case has some sort of mechanical fault going on, fairly new like that, you would think you'd see some kind of grid or compound, some kind of debris is going to come out of that transfer case and show you, yes, something mechanical is failing. Let me know what you end up doing, Phil. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.